All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Todd Schnick. This is going to be a cool conversation. This product that we're going to talk about today, this company has built the exact thing I've been looking for for, gosh, probably 20 some years that I've been seeking healthcare. This is, they're doing some neat stuff. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Joining me today is Ray Costantini. He's the co-founder and CEO of BrightMD. Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, the pleasure's mine. Thanks for carving out some valuable time to join me. I know you're awfully busy. Uh, Ray, before we get into the cool stuff that you're doing out of Bright MD, take a quick second to inform the audience a bit about you and your background. That's probably the least interesting part of the whole conversation, but happy to talk a little bit about it. My background, I am a physician, and but I would I would definitely say that at heart, I'm, uh, I'm more of an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was pretty young, actually before I even went into healthcare, and then had the opportunity to be able to shift and, and figure out really what industry my calling lay in. Uh, and it was definitely in healthcare. I got my MD, but then this interesting thing happened when I was in residency and then practicing was... I realized that healthcare was more in need of fixing than most of the patients. In fact, the healthcare system was part of the reason why a lot of my patients needed the care that they that they did. And so that helped kind of push me to combine together my clinical background and my business experience and goals. I got my MBA. I worked for a while at a pretty large healthcare delivery system. Uh, headed up some of their clinical product strategy and, and then their uh, their digital health services group, but also just really felt that calling to go back and run my own business and, and be an entrepreneur again. And that's really what pushed me to start Bright MD. Um, well, I, I can appreciate, I'm, and I'm going to steal your line that the healthcare industry needs more fixing than the patients themselves. That's a that's a great <laughs> one. And you know what? Uh, the healthcare industry, as you well know, really could. And, and we're getting some benefit of this new uh, the spirit, but the, you know we, it desperately needs the entrepreneurial spirit. So appreciate the important yeah. work that you're doing. So Bright.md, give us the 10,000-foot view. What do you do? How do you serve your market? Yeah. So there's two different values that we create, and it's actually really important to remember that. So you know, from a patient's perspective, what patients are looking for is to be able to, you know, they feel lousy. They've got a flu, and they've got fever, and muscle aches, and a headache, and they just feel lousy, and they're laying in bed, and what they want they want to feel better faster. They want to get trusted care from a provider that they already know, and they want to do it conveniently without having to pack up their kids and drive across town after getting ready, sit in the traffic and the parking lots and the waiting rooms. And, you know, that's the last thing you want to be doing when you feel awful. And so from the patient-facing side, that's a big part of the value that we provide. It's really from what I would consider to be the telehealth component of what it is that we do. We let patients get care conveniently and efficiently and delightfully from the providers that they already know and trust. And that's an important piece I'll loop back to in a few minutes because not all telehealth services allow you to do that last component of it. But then on the other side of it, what I've found is that there's an awful lot of telehealth solutions out there that actually really don't do much to improve the actual efficiency and value of the care delivery process. You know, so for a provider, you know, video-based platforms actually typically take more provider time per visit than an in-person one. And when we're already in an environment where we're looking at a 30% shortfall between the supply of primary care services, the number of primary care providers that are out there, and the demand that's being put on them by patients, 
anything that's going to decrease that efficiency is not a sustainable solution or a good answer. And so that really brings up what I think of as Bright MD's core. What we are really at our heart is a healthcare automation support platform. You know, we're here to help, and that's not nearly as sexy as telehealth, but it is, uh, I think, a really important part of what we do. We're here to help connect patients with their providers in the most efficient, high-value way possible so that they can get high-quality care quickly, easily, delightfully, and inexpensively. Yeah. Uh, so I love it. I spent time researching the company, and what you're doing is, is I think, can be world-changing, which is very, very exciting. I think a lot of the reasons that some people don't seek healthcare is because it is such an inconvenience, and, oh, I don't want to deal with the traffic, and I don't feel like calling and hoping that there's a slot, and then maybe it's a slot not available, and then, oh, then the waiting room. And oh, yep. it's just a horrible experience. And as you said, you're feeling lousy throughout the duration of it. And sometimes you just say, bury your head in the sand. I'm not going to worry about it. And that's not a good thing either. <laughs> there are amazing doctors out there that want to help you. And, and it's, it's a shame that some people don't seek that because of the inconvenience factor. It shouldn't be that way. So that's amazing stuff. So how does it actually work? I mean, walk us through how this actually works. And the beauty of, sure. this, the beauty of this product, yeah, it serves the patients. I mean, in the yeah. amazing things it does for them. But it also has a profound impact on the healthcare giver, too. And it benefits both, in my view, almost equally, which is really intriguing. So how does it actually work? Yeah. And, uh, you know, before I even jump into that piece, the other piece I would say, and I, I think a lot of healthcare IT in general focuses on one of three different groups of people that it can help. You've got patients, which I think you mentioned, and you've got providers, which also we help. But the truth is, you also do need to be thinking about the economics of healthcare and the payer system as well. And we really do, uh, we're, we're very, we're unique in the fact that we really get to make things better for all three of those folks. So we make the, the care a lot less expensive as well. So the way that it works, coming back to that same patient that we were talking about earlier, laying in bed, they feel lousy, they've got flu symptoms, and they call up their provider to get an appointment uh, to get seen. They want to get, so maybe, maybe they know even that they, that they uh, could get some Tamiflu to be able to help with their symptoms and make their flu a lot more bearable. They call up their provider and, from the front office staff, what they hear is it's going to be a couple of days to even a couple of weeks to be able to get an appointment. And that's not what patients are looking for right then or, or at any time, really. And in fact, the average wait times across the country to see primary care are about two weeks. Oh. Uh, and in some markets like Boston, Boston, 66 days, Holy terribly smokes. long time to wait. It's really bad. Incidentally, we actually have the worst primary care wait times of any developed country in the world except Canada. And Canada's are getting better, ours are getting worse. So we're very soon going to have the worst primary care wait times and primary care access of any developed country in the world. That's an excuse. That's, uh, that's, yeah, that's not okay, especially when we're spending 18% of GDP on it. Right. So the way that works is if the delivery system has licensed our software, then they have another alternative. Instead of telling the patient it's days to weeks to get care, instead what they can say is, you know, we could get you that appointment or you can go online and you can get care from your mobile phone or your home computer from us, from the delivery system that you already know and trust and the providers that you have a relationship with in about 15 minutes of time. And that patients like. And so they go online and they actually get interviewed by our system. It's a, we have a thing like an AI engine that actually acts as a, it's like a virtual physician assistant. It's a, it's a, it's, it doesn't replace a physician assistant, but does a lot of the things that you would want a physician assistant to do in these kinds of settings. It actually dynamically interviews you as a patient. It asks you questions and then processes your responses to determine what other questions should get asked, what questions shouldn't get asked, 
and also determines on an ongoing basis whether you're still eligible for online care. So, you know, if you think about what would happen in a real life setting, if somebody came into the doctor's office and presented with some symptoms, you'd ask those same questions and use those responses to be able to determine what else I should ask. And, you know, maybe in the interview process, you find out that they've got a set of symptoms that you can't treat in your current venue. They actually need to go into the hospital and they would escalate them to the next level of care. That's what our system does. But we also take all of that information, and that's the first piece of that. But we also take all of that information and we process it. And to your point, this is how we help create value for the providers. We turn it into an incredibly easy-to-use format. We actually take all of those questions and responses and turn it into a chart-ready note. So we've actually done, providers spend a third of their time writing chart notes just doing kind of low-level administrative tasks, just writing down stuff that they, that they need to to document care. We do all of that for the provider. So again, freeing up that provider time. Then we also make it really easy for the provider to be able to act on. Most EM, all EMR systems are really, they're not really well-designed around the provider's workflow or what they're looking to be able to get done. They just, they have a tremendous amount of breadth that they have to cover. EMRs, electronic medical record systems, they have to do everything from you know, a, a hangnail all the way to post, post-surgical chemo. And that's a lot of breadth. And it's hard to do breadth and depth at the same time. What we've done is we said, we are focused on this one task that you're trying to be able to get done right now. We're going to streamline your workflow, make it as easy as possible. And by doing all of those things, including sending out the prescriptions, putting the chart note into the existing EMR system after it gets done, letting the provider quickly and easily adjust things like a diagnosis and the, the treatment plan, all of that gets pre-populated, but also is easily adjusted, and then all gets pushed into the EMR. Prescriptions get sent automatically to the pharmacy that the patient selected during their interview. All of those things happen automatically. Follow-up, patients always get, they always get post-visit follow-up to check and make sure that they're doing as the way that we expected them to based on their diagnosis and their symptoms. We automate all of those processes and billing as well. And that means that what used to take about 20 minutes of provider time per visit, now takes about 90 seconds wow. of provider time per visit. And that, you know, it, so when patients first hear that, there's an interesting thing, you know, patients sometimes are like, well, wait a second, you mean I'm spending less time with my provider? And that's not the case. And that's a really important thing I, I would mention. What we're doing is we're actually, we're typically able to actually do an even more in-depth interview than what a provider would be able to do in person. So like the 20 minutes that a provider spends on a typical visit, about three or four of those are actually spent with the patient. The other more than 15 minutes are spent doing administrative tasks. And so what we've done is we've made it so that we can be more thorough, more evidence-based, more consistent. We can ask questions in a better way. Providers, we often forget that, you know, during med school, we kind of learn another language. It's a pretty technical language, and it's hard to, it's hard for patients to speak medical ease. We never do that. You know, we're always written to a very, uh, very patient-friendly, readable way so that they, they understand the questions. We can elicit the best clinically relevant answers possible. So it really becomes not only a way to be able to deliver uh, faster, more efficient care, but actually a way to be able to deliver higher quality and more delightful care also. All right. Gosh, I have a thousand questions to ask, uh, but we'll do that <laughs> after the break. So Ray, Costantini and I will be back after this commercial break. We'll be right back. CTG Health Solutions is proud to have been your trusted advisor for healthcare IT consulting services for over 25 years. 
In that time, CTG Health Solutions has provided healthcare strategic, technical, and operational consulting support to more than 600 healthcare provider and payer organizations. CTG Health Solutions satisfied clients are supported by some of the most talented healthcare consultants who have chosen CTG Health Solutions as their work home in large part due to the company's outstanding culture. As they say, the proof is in the pudding. CTG Health Solutions was named a Modern Healthcare Best Places to Work company again last year. Find out more about CTG Health Solutions and their world-class culture by liking them on Facebook or stopping by their website at www.ctghs.com. All right, I'm back with Ray Costantini, co-founder and CEO of Bright MD. All right, Ray, gosh, I, as I said at the top of the show, I don't know where I'm going to go next. Uh, so, yeah, you made the claim that higher quality care in less time. And I was thinking when I first heard that, well, that doesn't jive. But hearing you uh, right before the break walk through how you get you do get that higher quality care, it makes an awful lot of sense. And I no longer have that worry. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about the patient. So and thinking back to all the times I went to a primary care physician, it was because I was either dealing with a cold or a flu. And at the end of it, I thought, why did I really need to come here when they mm. prescribe? I could almost predict what they were going to do for me. And, and so this obviously solves that problem. But what happens if through the analysis in the online questionnaire and that whole process that you guys determine or the, the providers determines, oh, there may be something else here that we need to take a deeper look at. How does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's actually something that we're pretty unique in our ability to think about as well and support. And as a clinician, I didn't want to build a system that was just focused on taking care of earaches, rashes, and sore throats. And this really kind of ties back to something I'd mentioned earlier. You know, we don't think of ourselves so much as a telehealth company as we think of ourselves as a an automation support company. And that means that we can automate lots of things that are, again, identifiable, algorithmic, predictable. And that includes things that are more complex. And it also can include identifying patients who are more serious. So, you know, we can treat the vast majority of sore throat as a great example. And you're right, you know, an awful lot of sore throats would do just fine even without treatment. That doesn't mean that patients don't want reassurance. It doesn't mean that there aren't treatments and appropriate prescriptions that can be provided in certain situations that can help. And it also uh, doesn't mean that we can treat all of them. And that's a big part of what our system does is it actually identifies patients who have higher risk symptoms and who really aren't appropriate for online care. So really quick clinical example, you've got a sore throat, but you've got a constellation of symptoms that, you know, you've got, uh, you've had symptoms now for more than five days and uh, you've got a fever over 102 and you've got, uh, you've got some difficulty. You can't swallow food or liquids uh, for the last 24, in the last 24 hours. You know, that is still probably just a sore throat, but it might be a peritonsillar abscess. You don't have to know what that is, but it's bad. You don't want it. Right. Uh, and it certainly shouldn't get taken care of online. And so our system identifies those patients using those same clinical algorithms and escalates them. We call it our clicks to bricks model. And we can really help patients who need in-person care get it quickly and easily. Uh, and that's an, another really important part of what we do. Uh, the other thing that we can do is we can also identify more complex needs that you have. So you come in with, well, this is a healthcare show, right? So I can talk about diarrhea and nobody's going to have a hard time. You come, in with, you, come in with, you come in with GI problems and we've discovered that you haven't had colon, you're over 50 and you haven't had colon cancer screen. That's an important part of an evaluation around those kinds of, of GI problems. And so we can actually trigger 
colon cancer screening. And we can get that scheduled or sent out to you as part of our process as well. Those are all, again, predictable and algorithmic parts of how care is and should be delivered. And we're really good at being able to do those kinds of things. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. You know, so I I don't want this to be focused entirely on the patient because as we said at the top of the show, I mean, this is real benefits to both the payers and the providers. Uh, but this, the, the idea of declining reimbursements means these, these primary conditions have to see more and more uh, patients. Right. And then the, the paperwork that usually entails with that is, is a horrible nightmare for those providers. And this yep. seems to solve that problem. I mean, and automating the process by which this information is documented in EMR is, is game-changing for these, these providers, particularly small ones. Talk about the nightmare of interoperability kind of floated in my head. How does this thing jive with all the various options out there? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think uh, when I was at my previous position with a a pretty big delivery system, I used to call integration the dirty I word because (laughs) it means nothing. It's so broad. It's kind of the box that contains everything. And so it contains nothing. So you really the key I found around EMR integration and, and interoperability is defining exactly what it is that you're looking for, the function that you want and need from that connection between two systems. And then based on that, you can make interoperability manageable. If you try and eat the entire whale in one bite, you have trouble. But if you focus on one component of it at a time, then it is definitely better. And so we focus on the highest value functions, things like being able to understand what the patient's medications, allergies, and problem list are, being able to push the chart note into the EMR system. Those are key components. And so that's where we focus on that interoperability piece. And that is a big deal for that provider workflow as well. So I think you're absolutely right. And it is definitely a very, it's something I think of as a really a core competency of ours and a differentiator and uh, and something that's very high value. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. So I'm thinking about all the times I went to my primary care physician and I would see either the nurse practitioner or the physician him or herself jotting down notes that would go into a manila folder that would then go into a large shelf. And that's great that they have a record of of everything I've ever said to them. Uh, But I'm thinking about your system and how it's capturing all this information digitally. And you said the magic word a few minutes ago. I think you said clinical algorithms, if I heard you correctly. But this algorithm idea, uh, it goes to this big data notion of Mm. predictive healthcare. I mean, like you said, a rudimentary example is, all right, well, if you're having diarrhea issues and you're over 50, that could mean other things. And so that raises some flags that, that we want to then explore. I imagine that the ability through your system to capture a much more comprehensive digital record of the patient, combine that with technology that enables us to be more predictive and then then we fold it into a broader audience, a broader population. This is in part a way that you guys can then think long-term about care for that patient too, yes? It is, absolutely. And that's a very important part of what we do as well. So the the question you'd asked earlier and and the the point I was making, we really do think of ourselves as a healthcare automation system primarily. And that means that we are able to use that same set of automation processes to be able to identify issues not only with um, kind of these, these subacute, these simple common conditions, the, the earaches and rashes and sore throats. But, you know, we definitely see opportunity to apply this in a lot of other directions as well. You know, I mean, if you think about for half a second, Hopefully you don't have high blood pressure, but if you did, then when you go into the doctor's office, you know, you spend about uh, a minute getting your blood pressure taken when you go into the doctor's office and not by the doctor, but by an NMA. And then you go in and you spend a bunch of time talking with the doctor. They do a physical exam, which doesn't have, that has little to nothing to do with your actual high blood pressure. And then 
they let you know that either your medications are where they ought to be or they make adjustments. That's a process that does not require an in-person interaction. And that's right. just one simple, simple example. But, you know, healthcare is filled with opportunities for us to be able to help make that care a lot more efficient. I'd also mention, you know, even now when we are focused on some of these more common, simple conditions, you know, there's a huge amount of primary care provider time to get spent on those. And that means that those providers, to, to the point you made earlier, providers are spending time on these conditions that may or may not even necessarily need care. Uh, now, it's important that patients get it when they're, when they're concerned, but it's not as critical to, to get that person care as to say, you know, somebody with diabetes and congestive heart failure with uh, COPD and a foot ulcer. You know, that person is on the edge of going into the emergency room or the hospital, and they're struggling to get access to their primary care provider yeah. also. And so by taking these low acuity issues, the ones that can be automated, we're not going to, we're not going to automate that complex patient's care for a while. But by taking these low acuity, simple things off of the provider's plate, it gives them more opportunity to be able to spend with those complex patients. One of those funny things that people don't realize, providers have a set of visits and they're all about 20 minutes long, roughly. And, you know, they have to be able to fit whatever comes into those slots. And that's not completely true, but it's not far away from the truth. There's a very limited amount of variability in the provider's uh, time slots. And regardless of whether it's a hangnail or, you know, the, a, a, a very complex patient with multiple comorbidities. And so what we're looking to be able to do is make that more equitable, make sure that those providers have the time and the energy and the resources to be able to focus on the patients who really need that care as well. Yeah. But in practice at the top of their license. Right. All right. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, you know, I could ask a very general question. Well, how are things going? But I guess what I could do here <laughs> is to allow you to talk about uh, your recent successful Series A round to speak for it. So uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we're very excited. So uh, we did just close the Series A and uh, we're very happy with the investors who joined us. And we were very happy at the response that we had in, in uh, the investor community. We actually had uh, an opportunity to really be quite oversubscribed on our round. There, there was enough, uh, there's enough interest and, and uh, excitement really around what it is that we're doing. There were a lot of people who wanted to be involved and we get to be very selective about the, um, the partners that we brought in financially. So that's really exciting. And, and I think that that's driven by not only by the product and the opportunity, uh, both of which are, are definitely things that get a lot of excitement, but also by the traction that we're getting and, you know, the fact that you know, we are already getting identified nationally as as the leader in this space uh, of being able to deliver uh, highly efficient care to patients, to connect those patients and providers really in a high value way. Yeah, well, so. very true. And, and congratulations on that round. That's uh, that's very impressive. Thank you. What's next? So when we talk in a year or two's time, uh, what will be the news? What will, what will we be discussing? <laughs> uh well, goodness. Uh, hopefully, we'll be hopefully we'll be discussing how we've continued to to apply what we've built to make care a lot more efficient and valuable for patients and for providers. Like I said, we're already seeing a lot of that traction now, and that's our next goal. Is now that we've got the product out there, we've raised the funds to be able to support the company as we grow, and we've got that traction. Now we're executing on that. We're getting these implemented with some really big, exciting delivery systems. We're, we're working with two of the five largest healthcare delivery systems in the country right now. And that means, really importantly, that means that we get to touch a lot of patient lives. We get to make care better for those people. 
and hopefully that's what we'll be talking about in just a few years. Yeah. It's, uh, it's how we've made those people's lives better. Yeah, well, that's a worthy goal. And I look forward to watching you guys as you change healthcare. So good luck on that. Ray, we're out of time. Before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have questions? And where can they learn more about BrightMD? Fantastic. Our, our website is www.bright.md. And you can actually send emails from that website. That's probably the easiest way. We've got a contact us form there, very quick and easy to be able to send us messages. And we'd love to hear from folks who have other questions. Outstanding. Ray Costantini, the co-founder and CEO of Bright.md. Ray, great to have you. Thanks for stopping by and joining us. A pleasure. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Yeah, you as well. All right. Well, that wraps this conversation. Again, on behalf of my guest, Ray Costantini, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. 